Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Dr. Heather Penny is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and my coach. And the theme for May is the power of friendship. And today we have an interesting topic to dig into, freedom versus control. And Heather, I already can tell this is going to be a really good one. (laughs) We've all had that person in our life who wants to control us. And this is going to be a great conversation, but I feel like it's going to be a little bit painful, like pulling that splinter out. So can you share a bit about your experience with someone who is controlling and what made you think of addressing this topic? Oh, do I have to? Uh, No. (laughs) I'm teasing. (laughs) Hey, it's the Heather Penny podcast. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) That's right, man. I'm in in full control. I live in freedom over here. (laughs) No, you know, I did bring this up because... You know, it was funny in my early 20s and I now in my 50s, I I felt this need for freedom and it just became kind of my life's cry, freedom, freedom, freedom. So I didn't have clarity on why I needed freedom. Um, I do now in hindsight. <laughs> I was dealing with a lot of controlling relationships. Mm. So in all fairness, we enter controlling relationships. We participate in controlling relationships. So I don't want it to sound like I was a victim of controlling relationships. Um, although there was an element of that, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but it was once I started realizing I was allowing uh, relationships to become controlling. It was almost this deep sense of uh, wanting to feel Like I didn't want to have to make some of my own decisions for my life. And I felt more comfortable if someone was making them for me. I didn't want to own it. You know, I didn't want to take responsibility for some of that. So it was easy to drift into some controlling stuff. Uh, Once I started really taking my power back and recognizing, no, I got to create, I got to create my own life. Um, And that shows up for me in my twenties, it showed up with some depression, anxiety, a lot of in depression. It was wonderful to understand this depression is the definition of it is anger turned inward. (laughs) I was angry and I was turning it inward. So once I understood, what am I angry about? I started asking that. Well, it was, I was living in a, I'd grown up in a very controlling world and living in that controlling world. And so I needed permission to have freedom on what I thought, what my opinions were, what my beliefs were, without judgment, without shame. And this isn't to point any fingers really at my home. I want to be clear on that. I had really loving parents and loving family that really did the best they could, Mm -hmm. but grew up in some really conservative religious thinking that prevented me from exploring what I thought about myself or what I thought maybe about my, um, my spirituality or what I thought about um, my emotions, my heart or even about God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, and these are all really sacred topics that if a person can't own that, they're going to start feeling controlled. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if they're going to be told you have to think this way about spirituality, you got to think this way about God. you got to think this way about your emotions. Otherwise you're whatever sinning or you're, you're failing or you're not measuring up. That was kind of the message that I was receiving 
Hmm. over receiving. And that was hard in developmental years. So what did I do? I kind of grew up thinking I got to figure out how to make sure I'm perfect. I got to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, acceptable for everyone. Otherwise I'm going to live with a sense of shame and judgment and guilt all the time Hmm. and fear. Um, So I think, and let me sidetrack on this. Someone wrote a book about, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but it was called fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. Mm-hmm. So something I always remembered because I was like, that's what I, it feels like mm-hmm. you're, you're in this fog all the time of fear, obligation, and guilt. That's what I was looking for freedom from, you know? So control is a very complex conversation for me because of so much of the control I felt, the mind control I felt, the, the lack of permission to speak my mind without it having judgment or shamed the lack of a, a um, ability to fail miserably and be okay. <laughs> you know, I, I had to learn freedom in a lot of those areas to kind of take back some of these things that got lost in the environment that I grew up in. And so grateful for this awareness that, not only do I get to live in freedom, but every human being gets to live in freedom. And this understanding that as we, as we are in controlling relationships, we have to recognize what we're doing to participate in the controlling relationships. And a lot of the work I do with people is really to take their power back. Mm -hmm. And if they're in a controlling relationship, I've watched people really understand their need to take their power back. And I've watched other people say, I can't do it. (laughs) Funny enough. I have, I have no judgment for either of these types of people. It's just when they came along the journey with me and they're saying, this is too hard to take my power back. I have so much empathy and compassion. I say, I understand when you're ready, you'll do it. That's kind of what I leave them with, you know? And I, and I want them to be left with not a sense of shame. It's okay. You can't right now. I'm holding hope for you. And I believe in you that when you're ready, you can do it. And I, I don't know how some of these stories ended, but I still hope and pray that they have this ability to kind of own their own sense of power and their own sense of freedom in life. Wow. That's powerful. (laughs) Um, I want to kind of take it in a different direction and I want to go in the um, perspective of the person who is controlling. So is it a power trip or is it manipulation? Um, What is the thinking or motive behind this type of person? Is it, like pain from the past. So they're, they're controlling someone because they can, what is it? Narcissism? What is going on with that person? Well, you know, of course, if you think about controlling on a continuum of 10 being high control and narcissistic behavior, and you know, one being low control, controlling people can fall anywhere on that continuum. So I always try and help hold that there's different levels of control. But I will say the basis of that is really this deep sense of insecurity and feeling out of control in their world. Mm -hmm. So you might be the victim of a controlling person, but as you heal and as you take your power back, how you can move into forgiveness for these individuals is recognizing they may never change, but they are living in a deep sense of lack of control. And so Mm -hmm. they wanted to push their control on you. Mm-hmm. And that helps me forgive some of these people that have felt very controlling in my life and didn't seem to want <laughs> to let me be who I wanted to be and really wanted to control more of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things are happening. I'm handing over some of that and I'm setting off that vibe 
that I, I'm okay with that. So I had to own that piece. And the other piece is they're looking for control. And so it's coming out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the most powerful things I've witnessed is controlling people having this new self-awareness that they are out of control internally and then doing something about that. It trickles outward then where they're not, they're not as controlling in the relationships and there's so much healing that happens. But one of the most painful things is to watch someone not wanting to look at the reflection of themselves in the mirror and their impact on people. And they continue to commit to their right to control. There's really no um, capability of a relationship because we are dynamic people. We're either moving toward more healing or we're moving toward more brokenness. We don't stay static. So if we're committed to seeing the reflection accurately in the mirror and getting feedback from those that are good people in our life that love us, we will be better people. If we're committed to our right to see it only our way, we're going to get more controlling. We're going to get more self-absorbed. And I kind of have to tell myself that because I get terrified. I'm like, no, you don't have to listen to feedback from everybody. Right. But there is a handful of people in your life that you're going to want to check in with and say, how are you? How are you feeling about me? What does it feel like to be in a relationship with me? Hmm. Either as uh, my, my child or as a wife or as um, a friend or who am I asking that I care about how they receive? And is it a mutual sense that we are connecting with one another? That's a challenge. But as we grow and emerge in life and stay dynamic and the older we get, kind of keeping that, that small handful. I'm saying small because you can't take a lot of feedback from everybody, but you're really cognizant of how key people in your life are feeling about you. Mm -hmm. And so what are some signs that we can look for if we're in a controlling relationship? Um, this topic made me think of a past uh, boss I had who was extremely controlling. And I always thought the cycle of abuse was like with a boyfriend or girlfriend or with spouses. And then one day it clicked that I was in a cycle of abuse with this woman who was extremely uh, controlling. There's tension. Then you have an explosion followed by Mm -hmm. reconciliation and finally calm. Like she would, there would be tension in the office and then she would explode and say horribly hurtful things. And then she would buy me like a diamond cross or a Tory Burch purse. And then we had (laughs) peace for a while. Oh, I love you. You're wonderful. I'm so glad you're part of the organization. And then she would start to nitpick again and start saying horrible things to me. And then it was just a cycle. And I didn't realize it because it was a boss relationship. Finally, I was like, mm-hmm. I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. And she's like, but I'm going to make you rich. I'm like, you're going to make me crazy. <laughs> and I left. Good so, job. yeah. So reconciliation and calm, those like the eye of the storm, it can fool you into thinking everything's okay when it's not. So how do we address when there's a controlling toxic relationship in our life? Well, you know, it reminds me of our last conversation we had about the trust continuum. Yeah, I think what you want to in that situation, what you were kind of starting to do, but you can do it quicker and sooner is, wow, this, you know, I had a, I, on a trust being high as 10 and trust low as one on the trust continuum. I felt like we were at a 10 when she just blew up at me and, and I felt confusion and scared, you know, uh, and the confusion is a huge trust breaker. I say that all the time to clients. I'm like, if you're confused, that's huge. 
Interesting. Because how can you build trust if you're confused by their behavior? So, you know, that would, in my book, kind of jack it down pretty quick. It went from a 10 to like a seven overnight. <laughs> like if someone blows up on me because I'm confused and I didn't see it coming, that's nerve wracking to me. Now, let's say then you say, if you never check it and you don't go, hey, why'd you blow up? I don't understand this. And let's say they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I just had a bad day and I got this bad news. It was poor behavior. You know, I'm really sorry. And, you know, if she doesn't own that, or let's put it this way, if she owns that, then you can say, okay, I'm going to move it back up to an eight, but I'm going to watch that this doesn't happen again. And you're going to say, yeah, I don't do well with someone blowing up at me. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of hurting the trust between us. How she responds to that over time allows you to adjust that trust scale. And let's say she never does it again and she's a better person for it. Well, she's back up at a 10. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But let's say she's like, and I've had this happen to me. I have the right to blow up at you. And this is how I communicate anger and you better deal with it. Yeah. That's awful. And I'm like, it's awful. It's really awful. But if you don't have a real strong clarity on it, you kind of go, okay, <laughs> I guess I have to put up with it. Right. Right. And so then you take the abuse for a while longer and it's kind of what you were doing. Right. So, and then it dawns on you. I don't, you're going to make me crazy, which I love that you said that what was happening is you were honoring your trust level. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. She's not hearing this or recognizing it, or maybe I'm not having the language to say it, but either case, she just keeps creating a pattern that is moving my trust level down to one. So my only option is to get out. Mm-hmm. So nobody was becoming, I mean, let me put it this way. She wasn't becoming better from that dysfunctional behavior. Uh, I feel sorry for her in some ways because she was probably feeling immense guilt, which is why she was giving you all those gifts. Right. She, she needed another option. You know, if I was working with her, I was like, I would say, would you like another option? You know, and people who are tired of their impact, their negative impact on people goes, yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will say before you, you know, blow up at someone, start recognizing how long you've been feeling that and have a conversation earlier mm-hmm. and how much of this is, a, um, a fair expectation you're putting on Christina and how much of this is unfair. You know, I would unpack that with her behind the scenes and help her really understand herself more so that she could step in the conversation and say, Christina, I noticed that you're whatever late every Friday morning and it's driving me crazy. And I haven't said anything about it for three months. Mm-hmm. You know, she would then own that piece and you would go, Oh, I'm so sorry. And she would say, I don't want to blow up at you. And I'm realizing I need to say this, you know, I've been working with Heather and she's telling me I need to come <laughs> and say this to me, right? So then you're both becoming better people because you're, you know, re- you're responding well. Then you would be able to say, thank you for telling me this because I don't want you ever to blow up at me again. I don't handle this that well. That is really breaking down my trust. Uh, certainly I'll be on time every Friday. So then the trust level gets to build together. Mm. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is that, first of all, we don't have a trust level that we're monitoring. So we're just confused all the time. We don't know how to check it. Worse, we don't have another partner in the conversation or the relationship with us that is holding and monitoring the trust level with you. True. So think about our friendship. You get to say to me, wow, I think this impacted my trust level. And I get to go, oh, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. That's it that's the end of our conflict and we move on and we're both better for the trust level. It's not a blow up. It's not this fear, this guilt, this confusion, that is all toxic relationships. So once all that starts coming up, 
it's what we call destructive conflict. You want to move into constructive conflict where you're feeling heard and loved and cared for, and both parties are committed to the trust level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what continues to break down <laughs> when one party, let's say you, you know, you kept staying in it going, okay, well now it's the trust levels back up to 10. You know, I would, if I were working with you at the time, I would have said, why? <laughs> Someone yelled and screamed at me like that. I'm telling you, I'd be at trust level at one and I'd be in fight and flight mode. And then I would say, man, that's a pretty big thing that you just did to me. I want, you're going to have to kind of earn back a trust level to show that you're, you care that what you did to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying like you're rubbing their nose in it or earn you, you know, you're making them like um, keeping a tally score. That's not at all what I'm saying, but it is saying, yeah, trust, trust has an, as a responsibility next to it on both sides. You're going to speak up if it happens again, and she's going to own it if it happens again. And honestly, you might only have three blowups in you. <laughs> and that's where I tell people you have limits, yep. you know, and for me, what I realized I was in a relationship um, similar to that years ago. And I realized, I don't think I ever want blowups in my relationship. Mm-mm. I'm just over it. I'm done. I feel like I am a strong enough um, listener and I have care enough with people that you should be able to come and talk to me without blowing up at me. Mm-hmm. So I think once I set that new standard and that new line in, I just said, no, I'm not interested. You think you have the right to blow up because that's the way you communicate in my book. That's destructive communication. And I would never blow up at you. Right. I would tell you if there's something that I don't like, and then we would have a nice calm conversation about it and we would hear each other's hearts and we would be better from it and move on. So you get to hold in your own standard of the kind of relationships that you want, you are willing to participate in and those that you're not. So I love that you left, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like she wasn't willing to change her behavior on that. And unfortunately with her being in the place of power, she probably justified this is what bosses do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was so unhealthy that I was like the 30th person to leave in two years in an, in an office of like eight people. <laughs> so yeah. she couldn't keep people. So it, it, wow. yeah. So sometimes we just need to look at ourselves and go, why is everybody leaving? <laughs> yeah. And that's when I encourage people go hire somebody, yeah. go hire somebody to have safe Something conversations so behind the scenes and say, why is nobody picking me on their team? Why does everybody like me? I've had to do the same thing. I've had to hire people to get the, the accurate reflection that I needed to hear that usually was about a much deeper issue. Mm-hmm. You know, with her, I would venture to say it's a much deeper issue where she's scared of that. She doesn't have control. She's insecure about the world not working out. She's probably been exploited or she's been mistreated in her life. So she doesn't have the words to it. This is a, those are all deeper issues of why we try and control. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's go on the other side. What do you mean by freedom in friendship? What does a healthy friendship look like? Yeah, well, I think I spoke a little bit to that, but I think it's realizing what you're not willing to put up with anymore mm-hmm. and, what, and what you're willing to offer. You know, and I think with me, like I said about realizing that some people choose destructive conflict and I just, I'm a, I'm a strong person of peace mm-hmm. and I want to feel like I can trust that they're cultivating peace with me. Mm-hmm. And so I've got so many beautiful people in my life right now that are committed to that with me. And they're in my closer circles, even my clients, you know, people think they have to put up with it with clients. And I go, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. not. And I'll flat out say, 
I am committed and I'll own it first. I am committed to being respectful. Mm -hmm. I'm committed to really hearing you. doesn't mean I'm perfect. doesn't mean I'm going to get it right, but you need to know that I'm trustworthy in this. Clearly I'm going to expect the same, Mm -hmm. you know, I do not tolerate any kind of abuse toward me or any kind of destructive behavior toward me. And as soon as that happens, I get to have a boundary and a limit. I don't care if you're paying me. Right. So, and I think sometimes people think they have to put up with much more than they do. And I think that's where I just kind of try and help honor, tell people flat out, I am offering freedom in this friendship. I'm offering freedom in this, this conversation. I'm offering freedom in this client relationship. Mm-hmm. And part of that freedom, it comes from a deep level of respect for you. And I'm going to ask you respect for me. Um, a deep level of caring for each of us. Uh, a deep level of, of uh, commitment to trust building. These are some basic core values that I hold as a friend and as I hold as a, um, as a professional. So I lead with that. And at any point, if those lines and values are getting crossed, I have to stop it and say, I'm going to remind you that this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. And typically the average person goes, oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I just was lashing out or I was having a hard day. And I, and I have so, so much grace for that. So I will say, I understand. I'm not at my best either when I haven't eaten or <laughs> I'm going through crisis or whatever it is, but it's n- never gives still an excuse for people to justify that behavior over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. How we stop it is a, is a level of freedom. We're offering freedom to one another to not just be better people, but to really build trust together. And I think that's, that's the ultimate uh, uh, gift we give relationships is this sense of freedom to explore, freedom to be you, freedom to have boundaries, freedom to have lines, freedom to say what we think, um, freedom to be the person that we're supposed to be in this relationship and trust the other person is, is going to honor that. I think that's, that's what we get to offer in, in all our relationships as we engage with humanity. Mm-hmm. So what if someone's in a controlling marriage, how do they address that with a spouse? Wow. You just went for the big one, didn't you, Christine? <laughs> <laughs> because you, I mean, it's hard to, I can quit my job. I can break up with a friend, but what do you do? I have a close friend who is like the puppy dog in the corner that's been kicked too many times. And she's a very controlling spouse. So how does she start getting her power back? Well, it's, it's hard. I'm going to be blunt. And I've worked with a lot of marriages that this has been an issue on both sides. And if the power has been there for a long time, it's going to be very challenging. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but I usually tell people gear up. You know, um, this is going to be your Mount Everest. This will be one of the hardest things you've ever done because you just gave your power away for 20 years. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you taking it back is really going to confuse your spouse. <laughs> so you get to you get to recognize that they're going to be mad that you're taking your power back. But that's appropriate because you all have set up a, a set of rules in your relationship where one had more power than the other. Mm-hmm. Now, and then I help people to try not over course correct. And, and I've seen this happen where they've overpowered up mm-hmm. and they're kind of um, making their spouse feel like, well, now you're going to get in the corner and I'm going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to take your power back in such a 
a gracious, um, authentic way is really the beautiful challenge in front of you. But it's the it's the best gift you can give yourself in your marriage. It just if it's been going on for years, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. What I've, I think the good news is is that if it's been going on twenty years, it doesn't have to take twenty years. But you're going to want to be pretty consistent for several months in a row. The moment you let up is the moment that person thinks, oh, good, we've gotten back to our old pattern. Thank goodness. So every time you let up, it's only going to make it harder for when you take it back the second time or the third time or the fourth time. So I just try and make sure that by the time people come to me, whether it's taking their power back in their in their marriage or whether it's taking their power back in their workplace, it's usually about taking their power back in life. Mm-hmm. Um. It's recognizing that this will be challenging and hard and it's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong because the other person is mad at you. It -hmm. just means that you're changing the rules and now you get to take the high road and say, I'm sorry if you don't like this, but this is, this is how it's going to be. I need to be able to be my own person and I need you to respect that. Um, The, the stories with the good endings are the ones that say, okay, I'm going to kick and scream for a little bit. But now that I think about it, I love this new you. It's stronger. Mm -hmm. It's confident. It's more of a partner that I've really wanted deep down. Thank you for having the strength to do that. The stories with the hard endings are the ones that, you know, the spouse is mad all the way to the end. And the only option out is, is to get out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I never know how these stories are going to end but I always want to tell people there are, there are so many different endings to how this is going to go for your, for taking your power back in your marriage. I will not judge how the ending of this story is going to be. It could be the start of a whole new marriage for you all. It could be messy for a long time. It could be just more of a compromise that you all reach. It could be neither of you can tolerate anymore and it has to be done. Mm -hmm. I never know. But I give people the option of you get to explore this all the way to your resolve so that you feel happy, you feel fulfilled, you feel affirmed, and you're feeling like you're living in your life of freedom and you're participating in a relationship that's mutually satisfying. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a long answer to that question. No, it's, <laughs> it's a complex one. It's a complex one. And it's hard because we... Uh, we know what normal looks like and we get used to normal and we forget what healthy looks like. And yeah. so you're reminding us, or even sometimes we don't even know. And you're telling us, this is what healthy looks like. This is what grace, but knowing your worth looks like. And we don't yeah. get that. That's so helpful. And that's all the time we have for today. I learned <laughs> so much. Always, always. I cherish our times together. So join us next week when we talk about the power of friendship, being comfortable with your differences. So (laughs) please please subscribe to the Heather Penny podcast. And for questions, comments, and resources, visit the new and improved website, heatherpenny.com. And we want to hear from you. Tell us uh, topics you want to hear or questions that you have. And remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day. And we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thanks, Heather. You're welcome. Take care, everyone.